This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody. This is Chris. Greetings. Jesse here. I I did. <clears throat> I feel like you stared at me because I didn't mess it up. But I <laughs> thought about this for a while today. I was like, I, I'm going to I'm going to come in. You're going to come in hot. I'm going to nail it. <clears throat> and, and you did. Well, I want to say, like, I was just started thinking about it five minutes ago, right before we started recording. Um, and I totally forgot what I was going to say. I had a whole spiel lined up. Yeah. Maybe it well, was this. Was, this is our shit. enough. And we it only took you 100... like, We pretend like it's not scheduled, but it is. <laughs> it only took you 118 episodes to, to kind of figure it out. So it's very uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome everybody to the Geology Flannel Cast, uh, the premier geology podcast out there. Hope everyone's having a great day today. We're doing doing pretty good. I think I can speak for all of us. Everyone's doing well, I think. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, sure. Still still above ground. So there you go. There I mean, you go. Yeah. That, I, I just true. mean my my uh zombie bunker is not being done being built yet. So I'm excited for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a root cellar you- slash zombie bunker. And during the apocalypse, I'll be pounding on it, being like, I promise I'm not a zombie. <laughs> You'll be like, that's something a zombie would say. <laughs> He's got a point there. That, uh, is, that is a good point. We'll have to come up with a secret knock or something. Yeah. So I'll let know. you in. Yeah, I need some nonverbal because my poor grasp of the English language makes me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> sound zombie-ish. <laughs> um, uh, so are well, we, we talking got- about zombies today, Chris? I think so. I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, we oh. could. But, oh. I was looking at the wrong well, outline. Our, our ratings just plummeted, but carry on. <laughs> uh, we can talk about Bigfoot today if you want. Yeah. Who doesn't just want to talk like, about Bigfoot? I do. I, I do. I've been percolating an idea about how to incorporate Bigfoot. So. Oh, funny. We will talk after the uh, after the podcast. I have cool for all our Patreon yeah. listeners. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could talk about Bigfoot's habitat. Do you think his habitat lies on a Northwest? coastline? Was, oh. Yeah, we could talk about. Oh, I see where you're going. I was yeah. about to start yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Bigfoot, but no, you're keeping <laughs> us. I thought we were talking about <laughs> trying to keep us on task. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Bigfoot is coastal. I don't. I can't imagine him in like hot pants. You know, Bermuda, like a Bermuda. Uh, <laughs> That's all I can think of now. From now on, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't like a Hawaiian shirt. Just yeah. I could see Bigfoot relaxing, but yeah, it's too exposed. You're too open at a coast, right? Okay. Let's yeah. well tell me, explain to me how coasts work. Oh, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> We're gonna sit back for the next hour and That's... listen to Chris wax on. Where do you where do you want to? I'd even just Jesse sent out this website to kind of. Go off of for like a, an outline. I didn't even look at this thing yet. Um, so, we'll, we'll start with waves. You want to start with waves? All right. Well, I was going to start with what is what is the coastline? So the basically oh. the, the coastline is just where the land 
uh, it, uh, not intersects. What's the word I'm coming? Uh, transitions into. I was just going to say. Oh, I was going to go South Philly and says Gazinda. 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 <laughs> and the land, the land goes into the water. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I was going to say interfaces. It's the interface. interface. I was thinking that. I was like, I don't know. I, it, you put me on the spot. And I just, I, well, I'm sorry. I, w- I was going to follow it up and say, do you talk about it in, when you teach like intro classes? you speak in terms of like this is a transitional environment because we uh, usually break it down into terrestrial and marine and then you got that transition they gotta yeah, meet the somewhere coast, yeah so the coastal yeah. zone if you want to talk about the coastal zone the definition of the coastal zone is actually pretty wide uh, a lot of people use the definition of it can go as far inland as uh the tides reach so it can go up rivers a fair amount yeah, i believe so technically <laughs> philly would be Yes. So with the the Coastal Zone Management Act, which is a piece of legislature that was passed in 1970, something. uh, I'd be really impressed if you pulled that out. I want to say it's 1972. Look up the CZ. I I was thinking 72 as well. It's got to be. That's when all the major like environmental acts were. Um. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is 72. Yeah, Yeah. This is this is a like this is a point of contention. <clears throat> between people who uh, not a big point of contention it's a very you know niche topic with people who study rivers and coasts where <clears throat> where the especially when it comes and i know this because i do stuff with sea level and sea level change you know when the influence of sea level stops you know impacting a river how far upstream is a river impacted by the coast? And it all really depends on the river. It depends on, you know, your topography and depends on your tidal range and things like that. But there are people who are, are strict to that definition and, and you can get, you can measure, you know, like salinity changes as far North as West point on the Hudson river which you're talking, you know, tens of miles upstream from the battery. So it's, it is, would I consider West Point coastal? I would not. No, (laughs) but I mean, it is, it's, it's an interesting, you can get into a really sort of academic thought, yeah, and, and even a po- political thought experiment, yeah. a, co- a coastal state in the United States was considered any anything that could be accessed by a waterway, essentially. So like all up the Mississippi River, all those states were considered anything that touched the Mississippi River was considered a coastal state, um, not just anything on the Gulf or anything on the Atlantic or anything on the Pacific. And a lot of this had to do with um, uh, the real ID thing that was coming out. Like there, there, there was legislation that said, like, if you are part of a coastal, like port state, you had to have this real ID certification in place. And it turned out it was like. 36 states or something ridiculous like like, there were, like almost all the states in the united states were were considered a coastal state based on this definition it was it was really weird i mean obviously it ended up getting changed but um 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, and their coastline is so, I, I mean, there's, if you actually walk the entire coastline, it has so many ins and outs. It's, it's an insanely long coast. Oh, yeah, and it's like, like something to, to measure the coastline. Uh, it's like a, a nearly impossible thing to do. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, I, I remember reading a, a book and they had a chapter on it was it was a book that was beyond me but it was all about using higher math to figure out some of these geologic problems and one of the there was just an interesting paper about the shape of of rocks and and how they're you know at, at some level they're all sort of uniform but anyway this paper was all about how the coastline is actually like a series of fractals where if you zoom in, it's the same shape and you zoom in and you zoom out. It's, you know, it's the, it always takes sort of the same shape. It was, it was interesting. I'm not buying any of it, but I thought it was interesting. Mm. No, I, mean, I, I, I don't know what you get from it other than it just saying like, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I agree. It is really cool. Thanks. So we should, uh, we should talk about some of the things that affect uh, beaches, like how, how different beaches form and, 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 uh, you know, actually, well, let's start off with this, start off with plate tectonics. Why not always go back to plate tectonics, right? Because that's just what we do. Uh, plate tectonics actually affects the type of beach that you get. Um, remember what plate tectonics affects every single field of geology there is, but, um, it just, you know, we, we live in the United States, so we'll, we'll start off using the, the U.S. as an example. But the beaches on the East Coast of the U.S. and the West Coast of the U.S. are very, very different. Um, on the East Coast of the U.S., we get a lot of barrier islands. And what barrier islands are is, is that uh, in case people out there aren't familiar with that term, um, there are these islands are separated from the mainland by eh, sometimes you know, as, as just maybe a mile or, you know, it, it's not that much. It's not that much. Um, but uh, you get this uh, on the East coast of the U S we actually have the longest chain of barrier islands in the world. It's a what? near continuous chain of barrier islands. Yeah. It's like 1500 miles and it goes from Florida basically up to new England. Huh. And um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then you look at the West coast of the United States and you don't see that stretch of barrier islands it's because the west coast of the u.s is on an active margin and the east coast of the u.s is on a passive margin so we see these barrier islands they they, they like to hang out in passive margins all right what and, does well, that mean yeah I, means what is an active tectonic, margin an active margin is like tectonically active so an active margin you're getting you're getting your volcanic activity you're getting your um, earthquakes occurring. There's an active tectonic collision occurring along active boundaries. All right. I, so what does passive mean then? Well, let, hold on. Hang hold on. on. I think more and the bigger thing with an active margin, and usually, uh, you especially in places where you have a subduction zone, you have a trench, so you create a really deep point right off the coast. Well, that's one. Th that's not the actually the the reason that we're gonna go. I'm gonna go a step farther. Okay. 
Um, so yes. So I see where you're going with this. I see where you're <laughs> going with this. Um, that's, that is one reason. So along passive margin. So we're the passive margin is just kind of like along for the ride. Like if you kind of think of the United States as like a train, the engine of the train would be on the West coast and that's pulling everything. And the East coast is the caboose. So it's there for the ride. The caboose doesn't do anything. Right. All right. <laughs> You're saying now, we're the caboose. We are the caboose. Yes. Okay, I'm okay with that. It's the best part of the train. <laughs> so what happens? So where, okay. So the other thing is where does all the sand come that make up these, that make up your beaches? Well, ultimately they come from rivers, right? The rivers are, are feeding into the ocean uh, and, uh, and then the waves over time rework all this stuff. There's, there's a lot going on. Uh, I mean, but ultimately, 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 it starts from mountains. Yeah. Starts, yes. The, the, the mountains of road go into the rivers. The rivers spit it out into the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's what's going on on the East Coast. Now, uh, the East Coast is tectonically, I guess you could say it's tectonically older and it's te- tectonically more mature than the West coast, right? Mm-hmm. So let's switch over to the West coast for a second. And we got really, really rugged terrain on the West coast, basically going up to the ocean, up to the coastline in some spots. So what ends up happening is the reason that we don't get this long, like super long, like near continuous stretch of barrier islands on the West coast is because of the river systems. The river systems are, uh, because everything's so rugged, they all don't flow into each other. So on the, we have a very well-developed system of rivers on the East coast of the United States. Um, and you just don't have that on the West coast. It's too rugged. And that's and it's, why it's too rugged because it's too new. Yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. 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 You have actively growing mountains and on the West coast. And so that's the other thing. It's the drainage. It's not, it's not this like super mature drainage system that we have on the East coast. And that's, that's another factor too, on why you don't get this, like this chain of, of barrier islands occurring on the, uh, on the West coast. And then what Jesse was saying too, is you get these trenches and the other thing, the trenches are really deep and it's something that we call accommodation. There's this, this term that we call accommodation space. And so accommodation space is just, when you're when a system is depositing sediment, it needs space to put that sediment in, and, and hey, sediment everybody always gets to, needs a little space. Everyone needs a little <laughs> space, and and uh, and so the low lying areas are going to be where the sediment collects, and so there, yeah, and that that's whenever you're dealing with with landforms that um, that occur that are being formed from sediment being deposited, you have to consider accommodation space. How much space is there for the for the sediment. And so with trenches, you just have like a crap ton of accommodation space. And I, I think that's, that's, that's what you're getting at. Right. Jesse? Yeah. yeah. All right. And on passive margins. You, yeah. It's, we have very wide yeah, uh, it's very uh, uh, continental radio. shelves. Yeah. So yeah. rewind 200 million years. Did the East coast have a trench? No. Yeah. There was active subduction. Oh, there were not 200. No, but more than, yeah, that. not, yeah, not, okay. yeah, more than that. Yeah. But, but I'm, uh, so, uh, after 50 to 20 million years, there's still plenty of accommodation space yeah. going on on the West Coast. But after um, 300 million years, where well, all that accommodation space has been filled in, and, and now well, it got filled in when Pangea formed, right? 
So, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or well, the, the Iapetus Ocean closes up, right? And, and um, all those continents, you know, like, you know, slam into each other. So on the East Coast of the US, we have the direct collision with Africa. And so when, when the continent comes in and, uh, you know, all of your, your, your ocean has to go somewhere. So uh, that, that gets subducted underneath and, and you run out of accommodation space because there's no more ocean. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's just all land, land slamming into land. And then, and, um, and so, but what happened, Pangea breaks up, right? Now we have a diversion boundary in the Atlantic Ocean. So there's accommodation. Yeah. Plenty, plenty, plenty of room and a limited <clears throat> amount of room for settlement. Yeah. And I mean, part of, and on the East Coast, um, <clears throat> we create accommodation. In, in basically two ways, um, you can change sea level. So if sea level goes up, it gives you more space to put sediment. But the crust at the edge of a passive margin, especially in the Atlantic Ocean, which is the oldest or one of the oldest margins, um, <clears throat> ocean margins, uh, that rock is really old and it's really cold. And so as it, as it cools off, this, this basalt is very dense. And so it sinks, it becomes denser and denser as it cools off. And so it's actually sort of, it's, it's sinking a little bit into the mantle every year. And as we, because we have these really well-defined drainage patterns, we're always dumping sediment onto it. And so it piles up with sediment and that sediment acts as weight. That's also going to push down on it. So we do get a little bit of, of sinking there that creates accommodation. It's called thermoflexural subsidence. That was my nickname in high school. Yeah. So thermo being heat and flexural <laughs> being the, the pushy downy, but it, it's I'm why sorry, I, it was pushy downy. That was my pushy, nickname. Pushy down. <laughs> but it's why, like, if you look at you got beat up level, a lot, at sea level rise um, globally is, is like three. It's, I just looked at it yesterday, actually. No, last week. Uh, it's 3.6 millimeters a year. Yeah. But in off the coast of New Jersey, it's it, it, and then you go off the coast of Atlantic City. It's over four. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And that's because you have rivers that are draining right there, um, dumping sediment and pushing the seafloor down that makes it seem like sea level is going up faster there, but part Relative of it, sea level yeah, rise. part of it is actually the ground is falling out from under you. So you guys know what you guys know, what city or which area has the highest relative sea level rise in the United I'm gonna, States. I'm going to oh, take a guess and say yeah. New Orleans, <laughs> Jesse, is that your guess as well? Well, now I I'm doubting myself because you're looking at, I feel like it is New Orleans, but. It is. It's New Orleans. <laughs> you made uh, it. I'm, I'm really about a test for this reason. <laughs> relative, last time I checked, relative sea level rise of one centimeter a year. Yeah, I was going to say it's over 10 millimeters a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to so, say not. So, like, what, okay, so that means what's going on in New Orleans is that you have roughly four millimeters a year of eustatic sea level rise, right? That's what, that's what it, on average, you said it is. Yeah. And then you get like six, six millimeters a year of subsidence. Mm. Or maybe it's from all the tears of the Saints fans who just lost to the Eagles. Or that too. It's, uh, 
They're, they're going to pull me right back in. Yeah, I, I know. I don't like it. Um, I kind of written them off and it makes my Sundays better. So, so that's what's going there, there. There's a lot of different reasons why uh, we probably actually even talked about this. I think uh, in like one of the first episodes that we did uh, the first time we talked about coastal stuff, but um, one of the reasons that the land is subsiding in new Orleans is because the Mississippi river is all um, levied up and they don't let the Mississippi river flood anymore around new Orleans yeah. around the, the the southern end of it or, or lot, lots of other places too yeah, but yeah a lot of the like all along yeah a lot a lot of the the mississippi valley they have it levied because they yeah. want to prevent flooding yeah we did yeah. talk talk about coastal geology episode five five oh, i knew it was like in really 20, early 2014 on. yeah yeah um and so what happens is when the mississippi river floods it it you know, there's a lot of sediment that's inside. It's being transported with, with that with that water, with that flood water. So when the it spills over its banks and it uh, you know spills over onto the the floodplain, it dumps off a lot of silt and uh, clay and probably you know sand too. And it it nourishes that land of of uh, of sediment. And what happens is now that we're not doing the floods anymore, it's not getting that source of sediment and uh, the land's the land's just kind of sinking down. And that that flood, that yearly flood that used to uh, that the Mississippi used to have would help, you know, kind of keep things level. I don't want to say level, but uh, what's the better word? Equilibrium. Yes. Equilibrium. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason is, is just population is going is, is increasing. So they're pumping out more groundwater and you're getting some science with that. I believe Houston's also sinking too. Yeah. Because they, of that they, and all the, the oil they pumped out of there as uh, well. I was just going to New Orleans is, is not uh, immune to pumping oil out as well. Yeah. Um, so you guys know who's in second place for a fastest relative sea level rise in the just, United States. I just closed the map. I had it open. Ah. Just, yeah. Uh, grand, grand Isle which is right at the, in the by right at the, the mouth of the Mississippi there is Grand Isle is nine point, Grand Isle is 9.2. And, 9.2 millimeters? Yeah. And ah, um, I was off by, no, I was you, off by an eighth you, of a millimeter. Uh, Eugene Island is 9.7. So. Okay. Okay. Who is, I mean, is Houston second then at six? No, nah, it's not even, not even close. Galveston. Virginia. Um, what's for, Ocean City, um, Maryland. Fisherman, fisherman, look up Fisherman Island in, in Virginia. It should be like five millimeters a year. Yeah. yeah well, Houston, Houston year. was at six. Houston, six. <laughs> Houston's at six. Yeah. Let me see. Oh. Uh, Chest, Ch- uh, the Chesapeake, I mean, the bridge tunnel is 5.92. Yeah. So it's six, two. So it's it's right there. They're all. How about that? I didn't realize that Houston was at six. I thought it was, yeah, yeah. that um, that area right at the, right where the, the Chesapeake Bay, um, empties into the atlantic ocean you know what's pretty high too as ocean city maryland where are they at right now it should be like six i thought they were at like they're at six one huh six one galveston is six six so got some problems. how about that wow wow i gotta yeah um what about if we look in the opposite direction oh what's going up yeah kodiak island Sea levels dropping about a centimeter a year. Wow. 
10 millimeters. I wonder why that's happening. There's no explanation. It disproves. <laughs> Holy moly, Skagway, 18 millimeters a year drop. Where is Skagway? It's like, um, it's the part of Alaska that, that meets Canada where it drops down going towards like Juneau. There. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, it's because you got the, the melting glaciers there. Yeah. It's a static rebound. Yeah, that's got to be. That's 100% what it is. Yeah. So the ground, that's a case, like we were saying earlier about relative sea level. So that's a case where ice used to be pushing down on the land, making it sink, and the ice is melted. And so now the land is actually rising. Sea level isn't changing, but it looks like it's falling, but it's actually the ground is moving up. It's like when you stand up off a couch cushion. Yeah. When you're sitting, it's in the big indentation near the glacier. When you stand up, the, the couch cushion pops back up to its original shape. Slowly. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, uh, barriers. A thing about barriers is that you don't see them everywhere on the passive margin. Why? Yeah. KSSO. Well, if, you have, if you have rocky, like you're talking like New England, well, we don't have barrier islands up in New England. Yeah. It's because they have rocky coasts there. Well, it's- I mean, you still get sediment input and you still, I mean, relative sea level. So, and by the way, have you ever been to a beach? I've been to a, oh, have you ever been to a beach? That's a stupid question. Um, I've been no, to I, a, a I only beach. go to the shore. That's a Philadelphia a thing, by the way, for all our pay, our listeners that, that there's a famous map. It's like beach, 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 all the way down the East coast of the United States. And then you zoom into New Jersey and it says, sure. <laughs> for some reason when you go to jersey you go to the jersey, jersey shore. shore everywhere yeah, else is a beach shore. but yeah yeah um yeah there's some of the some beaches up in new england have like the beaches are made of cobble like i've been to the beach at a uh, uh, acadia national park and it's made of these rounded cobbles like a little bit like they're they were big cobble i'm make, making this thing with my hands right now nobody in the podcast can see but <laughs> It's like about the size bigger, of a hutch football. Than, yeah, smaller than a football, <laughs> bigger than a potato. Like a really, really, really if big anybody, potato. Old, old listeners out there will know what a hutch football is, but oh, like the a, hutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a like tiny nerf, little mini football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were awesome. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, I've been to the I've been to that exact beach, and and Rhode Island is the same. I've spent some time on the beach in Little Rhodey, uh, yeah. as as I call it. Um, <clears throat> So are you saying sediment is the biggest factor here? Um, I don't know off the top of my head why we don't have the sandy beaches in New England. It has, uh, I think. I mean, there's some drainage. There's some there's, drainage things. You don't really have. Um, it's, the area you're draining is, is much more reduced up there. Yeah. And. Yeah, like I've been to um, lake shores, like Great Lake Shores, where it's it's all rocky, and you have to get to a certain point where you're past the rock. Like for those of us who've gone swimming in Great Lakes, you know who hasn't? Uh, you basically have to tiptoe out on these awful rocks, and then then you finally get to the sand because the energy level gets to the point where it can't. Yeah. Is that I'm wondering if like 
because the topography is so steep right at the coast, you're dropping off your big stuff right at the coast. And by the time the energy drops off, you're too deep to pile up and get that. And you're starting to get affected by, say, longshore currents and things like that. What role does like uh, tides play in this? So we, you know. Yeah. So the thing with the the beach that you have, it's all this, you basically have this, uh, this relationship of waves and tides. So um, you go to some beaches and you have these like really, really high tides. Um, it, there, there's actually, there's a, there's a chart about this because you can, you can basically, uh, I guess, let me backtrack for a second before I get into this. You can, you can break up the, um, you can, or not break up. You can actually uh, categorize your barrier Island. Is it uh, based on if it's tide dominated or wave dominated? And uh, so uh, with, with uh, tide dominated barrier islands, you basically to make this very simple for everyone to understand, you have really high, you have high tidal range and low, low wave, uh, low wave height. And then wave dominated barrier islands, you have really low tidal range and, and, and larger waves. So yeah, wave dominated barrier islands, waves are going to be the main, the main forcing, uh, and then tide dominated barrier islands, tides play more of a, more of a and, role there. You have that large tidal range. And correct me if I'm wrong, which <laughs> there's a good chance, uh, in wave dominated areas, the barriers, um, what is it? they're they're pretty long linear yeah yeah they're, they're, the geometry is different between the the tide dominated and the wave dominated barriers yeah so if you have a wave dominated barrier island what you have is a big you have a large a large bay a large open water bay behind you know backing the barrier behind the on the landward side of the barrier island whereas in the tide dominated barrier islands the barrier islands are short and stubby they they uh the classic shape as they say it has this like drumstick um, morphology the drumstick shape and um, the the bay tends to be filled in with salt marsh so that's how you can tell the difference between uh, the real easy way to tell the difference between the uh the two different types of barrier islands ah, that's interesting i did not know that yeah that's yeah. really cool huh all right i'm on board <laughs> <laughs> you buy it i sold it to you yeah you converted me yeah um, um that's cool yeah so we could uh we could talk about geez what do you want should, should we tides, talk about waves i, I was gonna say should we just do some pretty basic overview here of waves what's the deal with them yeah. Like, how do you form a wave? Where do yeah. waves come the from? waves yeah, come in? So the waves there's go three, out. There's uh, three variables that control your waves. There's number one, you have to have uh, the wind speed. You have to have um, so waves. Waves are, are basically uh, formed by wind. All right. Uh, so you have to have wind speed. Or uh, you giant have to have pebbles. What? <laughs> giant pebbles being thrown in the ocean. That's a little different, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, I know. Naturally occurring waves, wind speed, carry on. Wind speed. Well, you could say that when really big pebbles from outer space hit the earth, yeah. that's naturally occurring as well. Um, well, that's, that would be a tsunami though. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A little different. Um, okay. So we have to have wind, hang, uh, hang wind on, speed. Hang on one second. Would it be, would it be a tsunami or would you call it something else? It's not generated by an earthquake. 
No, but it's displacement of water, which I think. Okay. Is that, I, I just, I never thought of it that way. Like when you just said, yeah. like, so I wasn't sure if a, 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 you know, an asteroid meteorite impact wave would be called something different. Maybe, yeah. maybe we should make up a name for it. Ooh, we should. Like mega wave. Oh yeah. Mega wave to the killing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, anyways, we should wind driven weight. Oh, go ahead. You were I was gonna say, is, is it wind speed or is it technically wind velocity? Oh, direction matter. Yep, I'm that pendant. <laughs> what, <laughs> how fast is your wind blowing? Uh, <laughs> but you need to know what direction and in what direction. You, yeah, it's blowing off off the shore. Nothing's yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah, then well, you get, we're talking about this the general variables to get okay. wa- wave height. Yeah. Like are get, you describing a large... nomogram? It's it's uh it's more like a turn turn. Anyways, yeah, um, you've lost me. Sorry, carry on. Okay, there's three, I got carried away. There's the three speed. variables. The listeners are on the edge of their seats, Steve. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Jesse's interrupting you just as much as I am. It's wind speed, wind velocity, and wind. No, no, you're just no. <laughs> Those are the three. The people are actually getting dumber listening to this podcast now. Yeah, they knew that coming into it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wind, wind speed, uh, wind duration, and fetch. We're making fetch happen. Yeah, we're making we're making fetch happen. So this fetch is basically the amount of real estate there is, or the area that the that there is in your in your water body. So this is right. why, like, in lakes you can have like a monster storm hit with like a hundred mile an hour winds blowing for days and days and days at a time. But the waves are going to be fetch limited because you just don't have enough, enough real estate basically um, uh, of wind yeah. blowing over a certain area to create really, really big waves. This is why ocean waves are so big. And if you ever go swimming in the Gulf of Mexico, those waves are pathetic. Let's be honest. You'll never see a surf competition in the Gulf of Mexico. So the du- duration, the speed and how, how far, how long it's blowing over the water is your fetch fetch yes, yeah. surface area. Yeah. Yeah. But cause I, again, back to swimming in the great lakes, I've been swimming in the great lakes where we've had five to six foot waves. So yeah, no, yeah but it can the ocean, you can get hundred foot waves in the ocean. Right, right, right. Exactly. And um, I, I, I yeah, the movie Point Break didn't play, take place in Lake Erie. No, it's a topical didn't. reference. It did not. For you. <laughs> Let me keep it relevant. Oh, that I think that checks the box of '90s movies. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, <clears throat> that's. Eddie, <laughs> I feel like we broke Chris. No, I'm just sitting back and just <laughs> <laughs> waiting for my turn to talk again here. Nin- 1991 <laughs> just squeaks oh. in in the '90s. Yeah classic one though. yeah so anyway so those are waves um and then uh well i mean let me let me let me expand on this just real briefly sure. so the reason you get a wave though like it's, those those three things it's not like you just you know you, there, there's more it, that's involved there right is that it's it's the wind it's basically how it starts off is it's the the wind blowing over the water and that 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 causes that kind of pushes the water along and yeah. it's so when you're in a wave 
it, the water, when you see a wave come and come, you know, so you're out, you're out pretty far, you're out past the breakers, right? You're uh, the wave hasn't broken. You're just kind of in the swells. The water's not actually moving in the wave. That's right. <gasps> it's the, yes. It's not the, 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 the motion that the water makes are these things called orbitals, right? Yeah, orbital motion. Makes, this orbital motion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm making this, this motion with my hand and nobody on the podcast can see what I'm doing, right? <laughs> Our Patreons can. But basically it's that, it's that circle. Like, like imagine you're sitting on your, your inner tube out there in the ocean, the wave comes by, you go up and then you go down. Yeah. Well, the, the part crest, you hit the trough, the particles in, in the actual water column, they, they go up and they go down and they're just like in a, in a circular pattern, like Chris said, orbital. And that, and so that energy, that orbital motion is transferred in the direction that the wind is pushing, yeah, you know, laterally across the, the water, but also down the water column. And so I think this, this sort of, this is an important thing that you were saying about breakers. Like why does a breaker form? Ah, so this is, this is, this is pretty cool. So the waves are coming in. So your, your deep, your deep water waves, they're doing their own thing. They're, they're moving along, right? Yeah. Can we just pause for one second? So the wind blowing over the water causes a low pressure, which causes the water to to move a tiny, tiny bit. But you get enough wind over enough long enough duration of time over a long enough surface area. That's that's when you get this this wave forming, right? It's that low pressure that's actually like. Yeah, that gets, a, that gets that gets it all that's started. Get, that yeah, gets yeah. the stuff then, moving. But now, that's now, why wind now. is blowing. So basically, there's yeah. like a you know there's there's a butterfly in Africa. It flaps its wings <laughs> exactly. and you get waves hit in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Next, you know, <laughs> the Category Four barreling down on New Orleans. <laughs> yep. So, uh, well, so this is great. Before we talk about the formatting of waves, oh. there's something else that we should talk with the formatting about. Excellent segue, my friend. Uh, so we'd like to thank our sponsor, the formatting formula, www.formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. Uh, I was actually just talking to the owner of the formatting formula today talking about um oh, how are they doing the very very well um they're super crazy busy uh do, formatting a lot of uh theses and dissertations uh, the, apparently a flood of them has come in i don't know trying to get into that the december graduating mode i don't know yeah, but everyone, uh everyone's back i remember the, those the days pandemic. yeah yeah so anyway but the, not too busy for our listeners though let me point that out so uh for all of your word document formatting needs please visit formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash format formatting formula um you know if you if you want to be lazy like i am just email them and they can fix it all for you or if you're more uh ambitious i guess would be the word uh you can teach yourself how to do all this stuff on youtube so watch watch all their videos they go through all different kinds of stuff from from uh, hyperlinks to headers, uh, footers, table of contents, all that stuff. So check them out, formatting formula. But most importantly, make sure you say the geology flannel cast sent you. Yeah, I actually just poked around their YouTube today because I was putting together this document <clears throat> and I wanted to 
fancy it up a bit. So I put a table of contents in there. And I've done table of contents before, and I could not remember for the life of me how to make it look pretty. And sure enough, it took like 10 minutes, found the video and watched it. It was perfect. It was super easy. Awesome. Well, thank oh, you, thank Chris. You. Thank You're you, welcome. Jesse. So let's, let's get back into formatting waves. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so a couple of different, uh, we, I think Jesse mentioned don't, don't some drag parts me of the into this. Don't bring me into that. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned the crest and the trough. The crest yeah. is the high part of the wave. The trough is the low part of the wave. See, well, that wasn't that bad. What are you all scared about? <laughs> um, now, if I want to throw you under the bus, I'm really going to throw you under the bus. Don't worry. <laughs> um, all right. So there's another definition I want to throw out there. And this is this uh, definition called wavelength. All right. And wavelength is the measurement from crest to crest. Uh, or you can do trough to trough. There Don't you go. Know. Okay. You're happy now. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a pessimist. I want to go more from of a trough kind of point. guy, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I like to do the, I like to measure crest to crest. It doesn't matter whatever you're in yeah. the mood for that day. It, it's all this. It's you know, going to get you the same, the same. But diet. You can't, you so, can't cross it though. You can't go from crest to trough. You can't do crest that's, to trough. That's because pointless. That's, that's, that would that, be pointless. Yeah, or I guess there's one wavelength. point. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you can multiply it by two. You could get half a wavelength. If you do first crest, crest to the first trough, it doesn't matter. Don't do that. All right. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Um, so, okay, that's, that's called wavelength, crest to crest. We're just going to say crest to crest for this, right? Because that's what I do. All right. So now your waves are, your, your deep water swells are coming in. They're moving at one velocity, all right? Now, what happens is when, now remember, we have that orbital motion inside the wave. It's at that, uh, the circular motion. So the orbitals, that circular motion or the orbitals, as you go deeper down below the wave, the orbitals get smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, so what happens is when the wave as is coming on shore, you know, like last, like it, when you're, when you're uh, swimming out there in the, on the, you're at the beach, you're swimming in the, in the ocean water. It's almost like the waves just kind of rise up out of nowhere. Right. And then they break and they come, they come swashing into shore. Right. Well, why do they rise up like that? Well, the reason is when the wave hits shallow water, when it hits a depth of one half of the wavelength, um, that what happens is the wave starts to feel bottom. There's a frictional drag. The wave starts dragging along the bottom of the ocean floor. And so anytime you add friction, that's going to slow you down, right? So the wave starts to slow down. But the problem is the waves behind it are not still slowing down. They're still in a little bit of deeper water. And so when the waves start to pile up, it's almost like there's a traffic jam coming into shore. They start slowing down. And as they start to pile up, they get, they get kind of, they start to grow up. They kind of get thinner and they grow upwards. So you can only grow upwards so much before you become unstable. And what happens is when you get to the ratio, there's there's a there's a, a special ratio of wave height. Wait, oh, we didn't talk about wave height. Wave height is the distance from trough to crest. When your wave, when the ratio of your wave height to wavelength becomes uh, one seventh, then your wave breaks, it falls over. So basically, what it means is is it it builds up too high, the wave builds up too high, it's unstable, and then 
just falls, it topples over and it crashes. And that's, we call it breakers. Or you see the waves breaking in. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. I didn't know. I, I knew there was a ratio. I couldn't remember what it was. So one seventh. I will one seventh. Yeah. yeah. Like that in my brain. There you go. I, I would um, just always say, oh, it gets top heavy. Yeah. The- it does, yeah, exactly. It gets top heavy, and so there's a there's this term called. Uh, well, I guess before we get into this, waves rarely crash onto the coast, uh, like head on directly on. Usually, most of the time, waves uh, hit the coast obliquely or at, at an angle, and so when they do that, they move sediment around. So the wave will come in at an angle, and as it, as it swashes in, it. It uh it moves sediment at an angle, but then the backwash as it's, as it's, as is moving back out to the ocean that moves perpendicular to the coast. So over so, time you get this net movement of sand from the waves, and and remember the waves are are uh, driven by wind, and over time you get a dominant. Uh, you know if you if you study it over if you study a beach over a, a long period of time there is a there's a dominant wind direction that tends to you know hang around more than other directions. And that's going to control something called um, longshore sediment transport. Now, and, anyone who's ever gone swimming in the ocean and or a parent who has kids who go swimming in the ocean, you, you're like, all right, I'm going to toddle on out here in front of the lifeguard. And then you're you're bobbing along swimming in the ocean and then you turn around and you're like 100 yards down from where your beach blanket is. You're like, what? the heck happened i didn't do anything (laughs) and then you have to walk all the way back to where that lifeguard was that's kind of longshore transport you're the sediment that's being transported exactly in (laughs) in real time it's it's the wind it's the waves it's all that stuff like every time you pick your feet up you're kind of sliding down a little bit that that's the transport so that that's the way you know that's at least the way i teach my kids about it like listen this is longshore transport plus get get your took us in front of the lifeguard in action. So there's yeah. a there's a there's a, over time there's a net uh there's a net direction of uh sediment transport due to the waves um this and then uh so we so i'm trying to think what else you want to talk what else you want to go into um, well, all right so you have longshore s- sediment transport yeah uh, uh g- give me some uh real life uh, I guess so, human engineering ways we've tried to uh, avoid or, or yeah. conquer I this. Mean, and this is, well, you know, we talked about barriers. Barrier islands are not stable. Oh, no, they, they are not. They, they are move. not. They are very, geologically very temporary. Yeah, geologically <laughs> and on human time scales. They're yeah. moving laterally because of longshore drift. It's carrying sediment. It's taking it from one side of, you know, say the north side of an island, so, moving it south. Or let's something. do this. I, I, let's hold off on this uh, on this topic of uh, long. We're going to come back to this. All right. Let's talk okay. about another topic. Uh, so, title inlets for a second. Another topic that's very near and dear to my heart that I may or may not have spent thousands of hours studying uh, over the course of my career. <laughs> So what a, a tidal inlet is, now these are these are features that are found on sandy coasts. Um, and what it is, it basically uh, tidal inlets separate barrier islands and it's a it's a channel that connects the ocean to the bay, right? And the only thing that keeps it open 
are tides. So during the high tide, the water rushes in, fills up the bay. In the low tide, the water exits the bay and rushes back out into the ocean. So that's a that's a tidal inlet. And now these things form naturally from storms. Um, you get a, a bad storm that uh, that affects the affects the coast and mother nature will basically punch a hole through a barrier island. Now, and then just real quick, when it punches a hole and this blew my mind as a student, I, I always assume a storm is punching a hole through the barrier island, but actually the water is building up yeah. in the back bay to the point where then well, it's spilling back out into the ocean. It can go both ways. It can go both ways, but typically it, it seems to typically like, you always think like the waves are kind of, you get like, like, um, um, yeah, you, you, like they, a bulldozer wave, from the storm. Yeah, the bulldozer. Yeah, the waves are bulldozing right through. But yeah, what happens is during a storm, you'll get so much water that gets pushed into the bay that you have this dome of water back there, right? And then the storm starts to wane or starts to recede. Now you have this dome of water and it, in, in the bay, and it has to spill over. It has to get back out into the ocean, and the inlets are just jammed up. They can't. Their you know their job is to. It, it's a conduit of water. It's a channel of water connecting the ocean to the bay there's only so much water that can move through an, uh, an inlet at a time we call we call that the prism all right um uh, and we're tidal prism if you're getting you know talking about the tides how much the volume of water that moves through an inlet in one one tidal uh period but uh one half tide and uh but what will happen is Basically, the water, if there's too much water and there's, you have this, this, this dome of water in the bay and it's got to get out and it'll spill over the backside of the barrier island and just kind of make a beeline out towards the ocean. And that can cause an inlet to form as yeah, well. Just like carves its way through and boom, you got a new inlet. Yeah. And then you can also get it just from like uh, from overwash too. And that, what that is, is when the, there's a surge of water, the waves create a surge of water going, cutting right through the barrier island from the ocean side over to the bay side. Which is yeah, how I typically thought of it. You know, just yeah, as a, yeah. you know. So then there is another thing, uh, an inlet versus a breach. Um, and a, a breach is just a general term. You ever think of like, you know, something, you know, just generally the definition of a breach, that's when something kind of, something almost like invades when you think there's a breach, you know, there's a security breach or, you know, something like that, right? Well, uh, a breach on a barrier island is when the water, the water cuts across the barrier island. Now, a lot of times there's so much, there's so much sand in the system that the sand kind of seals it shut, seals that breach shut in sometimes hours, days, weeks, maybe even a month or so uh, that that breach will, will get shut off. And the reason that th that happens, that the that breach shuts off is because it doesn't capture enough tidal prism. It doesn't uh, it needs that, that you got to think of the tides as like the lifeblood for, for an inlet. So the back and forth, back and forth, of the tides going through that inlet or that, if you want to say like before it turns into an inlet, if you want to call it a breach at that point, um, the, the water moving back and forth over time, that's going to clear out sediment, right. And just to kind of, uh, and then, so you have to have enough prism moving through there to kind of, to knock out that sediment. Cause otherwise there's, there's, you know, there's, there's sand moving along the beach from that longshore sediment transport we already talked about. And so there's this, this balance that has to play. So you have to have more, you have to have a, a prism great enough to basically clear out uh, that, that, uh, that sediment coming along the beach. And then if it stays open long enough, then it can turn into a tidal inlet. So a tidal inlet is more of a, a longer lasting temporary structure where the breach is like super, super short term, like less than a month. 
Um, so let, let's talk about this from a surfing perspective. <laughs> so, you know, to really get those listeners out there. So is this why, so the, the, the uh, distance, the wind speed, and for how long, um, the Atlantic ocean versus the Pacific ocean. Okay. They're, they're not the same size, but why are waves on the West coast better than the East coast continental shelf? Okay. So that's what I'm saying. So the waves have, it has a little bit more to do than just the, the wind speed duration and how far. Well, it feels happening. Yeah. Well, what is happening is the, the continental shelf. Like, so, where you see the areas where the continental shelf is wider, that's where uh, the way it, it, it basically dampens the wave energy more. Right. So, so the you start the to continental get those breakers further, further out. Whereas on the Pacific, you're like, you know, it's like abruptly coming up, which means the waves are going to abruptly push up, which means the waves are just going to be yeah, higher, taller, wave, better what, to yeah, surf. Yeah. 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 So. We have a lot of surfing contingents that listen to us, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, I, I heard Kelly Slater is a huge fan of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as far as coastlines go, I mean, you know that that is one of the bigger things that people think of, like yeah, surfing. Well, so let's let's go back to this. Inlet. I, I want to get back to this inlet thing and, and talk about their their temporary features. They open up from storms they can also close from storms too these inlets are like fighting with each other for that that prism that tidal prism uh for that water to keep on flowing through because you don't have enough tidal prism you lose the lifeblood and fills them with sand sorry charlie next inlet please um they can basically choke themselves out with sand there's a whole other thing we can get into with that but um the other thing is they migrate these tidal inlets will migrate and they tend to migrate in the same direction as longshore sediment transport migrates okay we don't, people don't like it when these inlets move around, when they migrate. And we have a lot of uh, structures on the beach, you know, people, houses and things like that. And so you don't want to have tidal inlets migrating around and taking out people's houses, right? Uh, and they're just great. You know, you have like, we have, you know, set marinas and whatnot in the bay and there's, there's commerce involved. And um, so- what we can do, what uh, is is the, some of these inlets uh, will be jettied, and what that means is they basically install these uh, boulder walls. There's a wall on either side of that of that inlet channel to stabilize this thing, and then um, so there you go. And so that now you just turned a temporary structure into a permanent, you know, into a, a permanent structure for humans. Yeah. So my, and, I mean, and we see the effects of longshore drift on jetties where yes, one that's side, why I was bringing it all back to the yeah, 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 full yeah, circle, yeah. full freaking circle. <laughs> so you can't, you, you can't, you, oh man, you, you can't fight mother nature. She's going to win. She's going to win. And yeah, you know, you see uh, <clears throat> all these big, beautiful houses built on, barriers and you're just like well you know nothing lasts forever nothing gold can stay pony boy yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's, is that is that a 90s reference or an 80s reference oh that might even be 80s i feel that like might be 80s yeah, yeah yeah but i feel like we would both make terrible uh real estate agents for barrier islands <laughs> oh yeah i i don't recommend anyone build on a barrier island unless no. you have just like straight up expendable income 
you know, yeah. and you don't care then sure. But, uh, it's just, they're very dynamic, uh, dynamic settings. I, so yeah. what ends up happening is when, when humans try to keep these inlets open by jettying them, it throws nature out of equilibrium and you get, so the direction, the net direction of longshore sediment transport, um, we must bring this in now to these jetties on the updrift side, you get all the sand being deposited on that side of the jetty. And then on the downdrift side, you get erosion and lots of it. And it can wreak havoc for, for towns that are on the downdrift side of the jetty. Um, basically the only thing that there's some really interesting, uh, engineering controls that have been, uh, put into place to try to alleviate the erosion on the downdrift side of these jetties. It's a real big problem. Yeah. So um, if you put it, let's say you put a series of 10 jetties in. Yeah. Is there any net gain or net loss? Well, the, the, I mean, let me <laughs> if think. If you about were to this, average this it like out over experiment. the whole, whole thing. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the majority of the sediment would get, I think they would just be washed away. If it's you all, there's, there's this it, area yeah. called the arc of erosion. All right. Now the arc of the erosion is the, the stuff on the downdrift side of the jetty where the erosion takes place. And it always, you see this arc type like bite mm -hmm. taken out of the barrier Island. Sometimes these things can be like 10 miles long. Right. Yeah. The one in Ocean City, Maryland, I believe off the top of my head is like like 10 miles long. So if you had 10 jetties right next to each other, you'd have the first jetty, you'd have all the sand being deposited on top of that. And then I think you would just have everything be washed out. You know, I don't I don't it just wouldn't it not, yeah. I mean, you You're, see these famous pictures of jetties and, and you just see like the scoop and the you know, oh, the, you might, are you talking about groins? Yeah. Well, yes. yeah, jetty, yeah, groins. So groins come out perpendicular. Groins are single wall beach. structures. Yeah. yeah. Jetties are the, but um, I like that. The arc, what is the, the arc of erosion? Arc of erosion. Arc of yeah. erosion. We got to put our, our, our that's best. actually a pretty good metal band name right there. I was, oh, I'm <laughs> thinking of the arc of erosion. Oh, we got to put our top men on it. Top men. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like you're just you're just trying to beat back a tide because whatever washes away, you know, piles up at the, at the other end, but then you have to pump it back up to fill the beach back in and just because yeah. Washed so we get just... then the other topic I was going to get into is beach nourishment. Yeah, yeah. And but real quick, but with with jetties and groins, I can understand if you're trying to maintain a waterway. You're mm -hmm. trying to taint, maintain well, a harbor or an inlet to a, you know, uh, to to try to, like you said, try to push back Mother Nature and 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 nobody likes their inlet to be moved, <laughs> essentially, mm -hmm. for economic purposes. And so yeah. whether it's just recreational and hey, I don't I don't want my boat slip to move to, hey, we need to keep this port open because. You know, I got 50,000 Hyundais coming into the port tomorrow, something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a lot of the big ones are going to be uh, the big ports are I, I don't think any big ports go through an inlet. I think the big ports are, are rivers like river Delta, you know, 
Like I, the big one, I think uh, is like yeah, the you're right, you're right. River. Yeah, so, so or like, the, are like be... the the Chesapeake Bay, you know, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't so think there that they would go maybe economics much. involved, but maybe smaller dollar economics. Yeah, like you might have like a Coast Guard station on the other side of the jetty, right. you know, right. something like that, where it's still like it's important that the Coast a, a Guard marina. has access. Yeah, a marina, you know, something like yeah. that, where you know fishermen need to access that. I was thinking like yeah. like lower end commerce. Um, yeah, so, but. Um, yeah, you know these, these these towns like you know like having that quick access out to the ocean, um, but uh, there's my favorite jetty is uh, there he goes for the dorkiest thing I ever said on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> the return of the jetty, uh, the Indian River, the Indian River Inlet in Delaware is very interesting because they have some crazy engineering controls there. Uh, basically they have a giant vacuum cleaner system set a giant, like wet vac system set up. Uh, so uh, let me try to explain this for the podcast listeners as best <laughs> I can. You have the jetty inlet. So this is an inlet with, with, uh, with the wall structures on either side. And then there's a bridge going across that inlet. There's a highway or whatever it was across. And the bridge is actually used for, for the beach nourishment. So on the, on the, in this case, the northern end is where the sand is collecting, and on the southern end of the inlet is where the sand is being eroded from. And I, th- I hope, I could, yeah, I could, um, and they have this like giant like suction tubing. Basically, it's a giant vac system, and they suck up the sand on the north side, and it goes through this tube up up uh, across the bridge and back down to the southern side just south of the jetty there. And it, it dumps out this slurry of sand and that's how they use the beach nourishment. They're basically rerouting the sand or sucking the sand on the North side of the jetty and, and, and flowing it down to the, uh, um, onto the, the Southern like end of the jetty. Incredible waste of money and resources. <laughs> and I believe last I heard it's something like they, when they only use it like once a year, once everybody, it's like $2 million every time they turn it on. It's something I hope I'm not getting those numbers wrong, but I believe that off the top of my head, that's what, uh, don't fire it up it's, by accident. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's it's. I mean, to look at that, it's it's pretty cool to, to I see mean, it. But I, that, I mean, that's basically how beach nourishment works. Yeah. So beach nourishment. The other thing I want to talk about with beach nourishment is people just have this idea, like, oh, why don't you just go scrape off some sand, like off the coast, you know, whatever, just you know, little little bit off, you know, out in the ocean, and yeah, what's what's the big deal? I don't understand. There's not that much <laughs> sand out there. All right. There is a sand shortage. Um, it switches over to like really fine grain material, like silty stuff, pretty, pretty fast. All right. And so what you actually have to do is you have to find specific uh, uh, sandbars off the coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the USGS maps the stuff where these where these sandbars I, are. Because- yeah, I spent a-, a year of my life looking at the sand. We have oh, a, co- yeah. a colleague who who went to Temple with us. Who that's his job now. He works for the state of New Jersey. Yeah, his his job is to find sandbars <clears throat> so they can do beach nourishment. I, yeah, I, like, so he would find. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would find them. Or his predecessor when I I worked for the state of New Jersey, <clears throat> and they would take a vibracore to sample the the sandbars or, and a lot of these are, you know, they're just old shoals. And I would have to basically look at these cores and just catalog the grain size. Is it coarse yeah. sand? So, is it medium sand? Is it fine? That's sand? really important. That's really important. It so is. think about this. Um, you can't just they, they have machines any... that do that now. 
Yeah. This, this yeah, was the way machine's back called in, Jesse Thornberry. Yeah. <laughs> 2008, it was a simpler time. Yeah. I could just so, hire an intern for that. Think about this. You have a beach that's that's actively eroding sand. It's losing sand. You have this net loss of sand. Um, what's moving? What's what's the mechanism that's moving the sand? Ultimately, the waves are moving the sand around, right? All right. So what hap- what do you guys think happens? If you pick the wrong sand, you nourish a beach with sand that's too fine, what do you think is going to happen with the erosion? Well, I mean, I know. It's going to be... It's going to be faster. It's going to, yeah. it's going to yeah. don't want to, you don't want to put sand. You want to match the sand with what you have. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If I walk out into the beach and it's the course, the sand is too coarse. I'm going to be mad. Exactly. That's <laughs> I was going to go to the other end because if the sand's too coarse, then it hurts your feet. You're like, this beach sucks. I'm going to go to a different beach. Ah! So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, the roundness has to do with it. Oh, you get angular jagged sand. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> no, uh, I, I do think the angular angular sand. I don't even know if you'd feel the different. I'm I don't know. Uh, at, at some point, angular the sand angularity versus rounded sand. Would you feel the difference the, walking on that? Yes, at some point, the angularity will matter. Not only that, just just the way it compacts under your foot would would make a difference. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I don't. I don't know if. Uh, anyways, ooh, all right. That's it. Patreons, we're going to need you to step up, step up a little bit. We're going to go to the Sahara where that sand has been there for, you know, I don't know, millions of years. And it, it's supposedly very well-rounded grains of sand because it's How been about we just so go much. to the Jersey Shore where it's already done that for it and it's a Listen, lot closer. We, shh, shh. <laughs> I don't know how old the Saharan sand I want to compare it. I want to go to the Sahara and step on that sand and then go to the Jersey shore and step on that sand. And then let's or go to like go Hawaii right... where it's very new sand. Why don't you just go to like new sand? Just go to some alluvial fan. Go to, let's go to death Valley. We'll go visit Kelly Blake. Ooh, out yeah. by death Valley. All right. And we'll go check out some alluvial fans there with like some, you know, new sand. I bet you alluvial fans would be more gravel. Wait, wait, way to go, Chris. Yeah. Instead mm. of going to the <laughs> Sahara or, or Hawaii, let, let's go to death Valley. <laughs> sounds pretty cool to me i don't know actually I'm not, I'm, not gonna, boat, like, I'm not gonna lie i wouldn't mind going out there oh yeah hi kelly blake <laughs> <laughs> um all right so that's beach nourishment but um yeah so it's um, it's like is... it's like a multi-million to billion dollar a year like endeavor for the federal government uh for uh other governments like it's it's a big big huge deal to replace these beaches because there's so much economic value in them uh realistically is it a long-term sustainable effort i don't know um i feel like you're fighting against mother nature and that's that's always losing battle but you know can you postpone it for a little bit sure yeah, that's where it's just it's putting there's a lot going on. And uh, <laughs> when when you take Mother Nature out of equilibrium, things yeah. are going to start happening, you know. No, but, so. you, you know, just uh, again, I'm, I'm just citing where, where I live. But if you take from yeah. yeah just north of Atlantic City all the way down to Cape May, you're, I don't know, a trillion dollars worth of property. Uh, it's a lot. Right. Like just just the, yeah. that and, on and, the, and on the you, barrier islands. The entire east coast of the U.S. Yeah, how much? Exactly. So you know all the you know the outer banks. You got, um, 
but there, know, there uh, are the Hilton you know, head going, you know, the government is, uh, you know, so to get flood insurance, uh, no insurance company will give you flood insurance because it's a, a losing proposition. So the only way to get flood insurance is through the U S government and the U S government is now starting to not give flood insurance for certain areas of the coastline because they're just constantly getting destroyed. Um, so yeah. you, you can build there, but you have no insurance. So like, yeah, you want to build your million dollar house there. You have no insurance. So if it yeah. gets washed away, you just lost a million dollars. Yeah, this is, I mean, and this is, this is another topic we could, this is like another podcast episode here, but um, going off on that flooding and stuff, but um, yeah, the, the, but back to coastal stuff, it's a huge topic and we could easily do, we could easily top Jesse's, uh, uh, magnum opus of his three-part call episode with uh <laughs> we could do a five easily we could do uh we could do many 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 more episodes on uh coastal topics so how about this if you guys have any other uh any other topics related to coastal geology it's such a huge topic it's just like one of those things where it's just like where do you start there's so much to talk about uh shoot us shoot us an email let us Says know Chris. We'll, uh, that's why i specialize in uh <laughs> Great, greatest topic but, uh, ever in geology, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I think that's uh, I think we covered some of the main uh, the main forces there. We didn't even get into the tides. Oh my god, tides is this whole episode, a whole another episode. Um, that's going to take you know, yeah. a long time to the tides come in, the tides, tides go out. Uh, what? I yeah, there's an interesting story about tides going and, on. You got oh, the right goodness. to public beaches in New Jersey. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. So, um, new political podcast, a, but, uh, I think it's a good, good spot to stop for, for this episode. Beach we'll tags. A, Let's get into beach tags. Oh yeah. But uh, we should do another started. episode on tides. Let's, let's do Cause that's, that's another interesting one. That's, uh, there's a lot to that one. Yeah. There's, there's so we could talk about space. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, but real um, quick, before we wrap up, I want to say, a very special happy birthday to our Patreon Maddie, who is always here listening to us. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> enjoy enjoy the hum. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, but for all you listeners out there, we have very special Patreons who get to listen beforehand after the fact. Uh, get special access to extra content. And or, you know, if you want to be a, just a Patreon to get some stickers and show off to all your friends, like, hey, yeah, I listened to the premier geology flannel cast, geology it's, podcast, excuse me. Premier Chris always yells podcast. at me. If uh, also, if you're listening and it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Happy birthday to all those November birthdays out there. Happy yeah. birthday to everyone out there that has a birthday. <laughs> Wait and, uh, a second. <laughs> Yeah, and enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't, I don't know when Chris is going to post this, but if you're uh, probably after, maybe before. I hope uh, you enjoyed it. I hope you I hope enjoyed you your Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> if, you're in, if you're in the states, at least. Yeah. If if you're Canadian, I hope that you happened had a, good a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope it was good while yeah. it lasted. Yeah. Oh, um, all right, guys. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much it. You got to check us out on Facebook and and uh, the Insta, 
all that stuff. Shoot us an email. Say hi. The, the gram. Like um, so, all right. If you have a question about geology, send your geology questions. Every once in a while, we we uh, we cover a ge- uh, an episode just based on listener questions. So probably do that sooner rather than later. So get some uh, get some questions in. We'll probably do another. We'd like to do another listener question episode soon. So absolutely, they're, they're they, always good. Episodes. They are episodes. always good episodes. Yeah, our so. listeners always ask the most intriguing questions, and sometimes it's frustrating, but most of the time it's very rewarding. Yeah, sometimes we get some stumpers. We do. So play the stump the geologist next time. Uh, we get you know in a little bit. We'll get some more listener questions. So, all right, everyone, thanks so much for uh, for stopping by this week for the geology final cast, and we will catch you guys next week with another fun and action packed episode of the geology flannel cast. Jesse, what song are you thinking about today? I initially was going to go Surfing USA. Ooh, okay. classic. Let's go Surfing, surfing now. Blues, Everybody's yeah. looking yeah. now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it East Coast as, as we do and go down the shore with On My Way to Cape May. Nobody on knows about that outside of Cape May. Nobody under the, I would say. I fell in love with you. Nobody, nobody under the age of 30 knows that 30. song. I was going to say yeah. 70. 70 yeah. <laughs> it's a classic though. Oh, well, I say I know I know this song but yeah, yeah. okay, but you're probably right 70. Nobody yeah. under the age of 70 outside I'm, of unless you're inside Philadelphia and you're more than 70 years old. Think to my kids when we're on our way to the shore. Oh man. When we're on our way down the shore. As they have say. you have you listened to that song lately on the way to Cape May? No, no. should I It's is horrible. It, it's is horrible. It canceled? It's should absolutely I absolutely No, 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 no. It's not canceled. It's not canceled. He doesn't say anything bad. In it. But it's just like just tacky oh what, yeah what was, that, sure. what was that old the show where old people would dance american bandstand no uh um, no. lawrence welk lawrence, lawrence welk, welk show yes <laughs> say mtv's the grind <laughs> uh trl live yeah that's yeah. what it was <laughs> trl's even dating you buddy that's, lawrence uh, welk yeah, TRL's dating me when I'm talking about Lawrence Welk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Anyways, thanks a lot, everyone. We'll talk. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for stopping. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>